Here, I hit record. Fuck it. I'm just gonna. Um... It was good. You know what I'm saying? Hey, motherfucker, get that shit right now. I said, we owe this motherfucker. Say, hey, what's good? That was there. We owe the motherfucker. Oops. Say, so Wrong so button. Get that shit right now. Man, that's quiet. <laughs> hey, you remember this song? I do. Welcome to Just Be Cousins. My name is Jason, and this is my brother from another mother the same grandmother joe we have not podcasted in nine months because we were making a baby and now that baby is um born and it is this podcast episode and you know i think that's very topical because we're not topical it's, it's topical the way we're normally topical because the whole roe v wade thing that, that happened while we were gone um we should definitely abort this podcast We should have aborted this son. This son of a gun. How have you been, Joe? Pretty good, man. I don't even know where to begin. Where? Yeah, you've been up to a lot of stuff, right? Well, I guess, I guess we should begin by saying uh, welcome to Just Be Cousins. Did I forget to say podcast. the name of the podcast? Did you say Just Be Cousins? That's how long it's been. Yeah, I, I don't, don't remember. If I... What are we supposed to do? What have you done? What I don't do we remember. Do? Let's reinvent ourselves. <laughs> I um, wanted to call our. We, we had a period of time where there was a lot of dead air because I don't know. I think me and you like stopped giving a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah. wanted to call. I was like, "There's a lot of dead air," and then I realized we should call the show "Dead Air Supply." <laughs> I'm all out of fucks. I'm so yeah. lost without you. I just cannot give them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, if anybody in our uh, listening audience, if our listener, there's no way anyone's going to listen to this except for our friends, but um, we just both spontaneously, without trying, was able to were able to sing Air Supply, and that shows how fucking old we are. That's right. Air there's, Supply. There's no way. Like, it's cool for Gen, what are we up to, Gen Z Alpha NGR to the fourth. I don't know, but it's yeah. cool for them to be all retro. We re- we we had to go back to the beginning of the alphabet. That's where we're at now. Yeah. Well, they none of them, no gen fuckwads are at respect though. I mean, I'm not dissing them for calling them fuckwads. Fuckwads for me is a term of endearment, but whatever they are, they're going back to like Sex Pistols and fucking I don't know Tom Petty and pre Heartbreakers Tom Petty, but they're not going back to Air Supply. No one's going back and reviving Air Supply. It just made me realize if you're maybe a Gen Z hipster, is that uh, are there hipsters in Gen I think, Z? I think Gen Z Let's went call so them hipsters. They went so far around that they're not even hipsters. Like that's not a that's not a thing. They're just naturally cool. Like they don't have to try. They just are. Like like I don't know. If okay. You, you ever get on TikTok and watch videos of people who are 23 years old and just go, fuck. They're talented. Like, okay, when you and I were kids, if somebody could, I don't know, dance well, then they, you know, went and they worked for the Supremes. <laughs> and, when we were kids? When we were kids. And, uh, you know, they got paid. <laughs> when we were kids and people could dance, that probably meant that they were, like, agile enough to outrun the dinosaurs that were chasing them. That's right. Yeah. But what I mean is if you had that kind of talent, then you could turn it into a career. But nowadays, you get on TikTok and you got some little fucker who's, you know, busting a move. God, I'm so old. And it's it's amazing. And the dude is working McDonald's. Poor dude. Because he's amazing, but everybody's amazing. And it's these fuckers, these Gen Z fuckers. They're all super talented and goddamn cool and beautiful. And I hate them. And I love them. Maybe I should get on TikTok because I got to tell you, man, I... I... I'm in personal face-to-face contact with a lot of people from Gen Z, and I'm not fucking impressed. Well, okay, so definitely there's going to be a, a, a filtering process because, like, when I get on TikTok, I put I type in it says, "What do you want to see?" and I say boobs, and it goes, "Okay, what kind?" I say, "Talented boobs," and it goes, "Okay, here's the talented ones." I'm sure there's lots of videos out there that aren't getting traction from, you know, fifty-year-old wannabes living in Seattle, Texas, making ukulele songs, but those don't. Those don't go out to the whole masses. You, I interrupted you though. You were saying something about Gen Z hipsters and air supply and shit. Well, I'm I'm really rusty here. Let me see if I can collect my thoughts. First of all, I want to apologize for the dinosaur joke. I'm I'm rusty. Uh, so, that's a good one. 
you know, you, you went with the Supremes. That was appropriate, you know, reaching <laughs> way back in time. I decided to go prehistorical. I don't know what I was thinking. And then you said bust a move, and I wasn't fast enough to crack my young MC joke, but yeah. I really wanted to, and now it's too late. But anyway, you said bust a move. I was going to call you a young MC. It was a missed opportunity. It's okay. And, uh, maybe I, still, that's okay. I still love you. Well, thank you. I love you, too. And um, well, I was going to say something about Gen Zers. Oh, Zipsters. Zipsters, okay? yeah. I like that name. And you're saying they don't even have to try. Well, the, a lot of the Gen Zers I know, that like that they're not trying and they're not succeeding. They don't. But when I say they don't give a fuck, not in a way that makes them cool. It makes them stagnant and like just sitting there with nothing to offer at all. Well, okay. wow, that's really harsh. That's harsh, but but it's tough love, Joe. It's tough love. When you say they're stagnant and they have nothing to offer, to me that that brings up. And this isn't you. I'm not accusing you of this, but this one of the things about. I think, oh shit, I'm going to get philosophical, not funny. I'll throw in a lot of fucks and ninjas and stuff. I think when cool. fucking ninjas took over, no, it's not going to work, sorry. Listen, we went from, you know, golden agers to boomers to X to millennial to Z. And all along the way, there was this idea that you have to have value of some kind, right? Like the golden ager said, hey, boomers, here is the mother load of of riches we worked our asses off and killed a lot of people in other countries you could have all this shit and the boomers said great let's let's fuck and then gen x came Mm -hmm. along and said i don't give a fuck and then the millennials came along and said yeah you guys are fucked and then gen z showed up and said oh what the fuck I think I lost my train of thought. Let me start over. My point is, is that at every I thought it was a good breakdown of the of the generation, the generations as they arrived, let's have their roles. I I, yeah. <laughs> I think that everybody has this idea they have to be productive in some way. You have to contribute. You have to be. You have to have. You have to. You have to create value or some kind. You have to. Yeah, I I agree with that. I have to. I have no fucking choice. I have to do it. Yeah, and I feel like there maybe maybe the the. The beautiful people that are dancing, like, and now that I think about it, I don't think anybody ever danced for the Supremes. They just sort of swayed. So that was a really bad way to yeah. showcase that idea. But um, uh, what was I talking about? Well, oh, yeah. the Zipsters are dancing for your entertainment, and and their their dancing boobs have they are providing quality to you. They, they I are, also wanted maybe... to just like even it out completely across the board. I feel like a lot of people, including myself. Uh, I'm just going to say sometimes I'm just unimpressed with humankind. I don't want to. I don't want to just focus in on the on the zipsters. Okay. I don't think that's fair because uh, I have face to face interactions with a lot of people, and a lot of the time I, I'm not impressed. And that includes when I'm face to face with myself in the bathroom mirror, and then I start weeping. I splash cold water on my face, and I say, "You can do this, motherfucker!" And then I go off into the wilderness once again to try and make a living for myself and my family. Is that too bleak? Yeah, that's that's. Don't do that. Okay, sorry about that, everybody. Okay. I mean, our one listener. Hello and welcome back. Sorry, no. Um, couple three things. One, I was gonna bring up an air supply song just for the hell of it here on the YouTube, and it's paused now. And the blonde guy looks a lot like um, Jeff Jeff Daniels. Is that his name? Who is the guy? Who is the other? Um, the dog? guy from Arachnophobia. Yeah, him. That. Shot a huge flying tarantula with a fucking nail gun, and I was like, "Yeah, motherfucker!" Yeah. So in one shot, he looks like that. I think that's actually what he said in the movie after he did he, <laughs> after shot, he shot the, the spider. Yeah, anyway, yeah. sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, no, no it's <laughs> stepping okay. on your Jeff Daniels shit. Jeff Daniels, you're stepping on my Jeff Daniels shit, Joe. If there's one thing I thought you would never do, it was step on my Jeff Daniels shit. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, I'm rusty. Yeah, we're so rusty. What, where are we going with Jeff Daniels? Well, one that that's happening, so that's distracting me because he looks <laughs> like him, and it's not even, it's not even like he he does look like him. It's just in this one picture, the way the shadows fall on his face, and uh, the other guy looks like a microphone. I, I swear to God, I'm gonna this. <laughs> he looks like because he's got he's got a big afro. Not not a not a. He's not a black guy. He's got a big old you know 1970s greasy Italian afro. God, that's, I'm yeah. being so racist today. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
But um, yeah, your attempt to not be offensive there was an utter failure. It yeah, was I've great. completely lost it. Okay. Hey, the back of my head looks like a microphone. It just yeah, like, yeah, looks like a microphone that looks like the back of a middle-aged bald guy's head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't diss this dude. I bet you he's like, you go hang out with him, and he's like, hey, what's up? My name's Barry Supply. This is my friend, Jerry Supply. We are Air Supply, and we uh, are intelligent and good-looking, and we get the ladies. And you know what else we do? We philosophize, and also we contribute our our uh, earnings to charity. So he's better than I am. I didn't even want to talk about Air Supply. I want to talk about two other things that I forgot. Oh, one was that um something about zipsters and value and oh oh it might be that the 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 people i'm seeing on tiktok and instagram and and youtube are the anomalous ones uh that actually the generation doesn't give a shit and they are stagnant but maybe that's good because maybe that's what you're maybe you're seeing the real thing like i thought gen z or y or whatever that they were um these really remarkable people who have all this incredible talent and i'm jealous but maybe what it is is actually the vast majority of the of them did not buy into this idea that you've got to be good at something they looked at all the previous generations and said you guys were worked your asses off to be good at stuff and then get you shit because look at the world today this is their point of view right um and so why should i bother trying and so the ones who are naturally good they sort of like float to the top Right, but 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 they don't put any effort into it because they don't have to, because you know they get TikTok famous or YouTube famous. They don't have to put any effort into it. And the rest of society, this is to the rest of society's discredit. I am not dissing these kids. I'm actually praising them. The rest of society goes. It doesn't matter how good you are at something. If you didn't work your ass off, it has no value. Which is bullshit, by the way. It's just complete bullshit. But that's the thing. It's like somebody goes out there and they say, like, "Hey, watch me rip off this awesome Jimi Hendrix solo." That's not Jimi Hendrix at all. That was more Ingbe Malmsteen. But whatever. They like do it, and someone's like, "Wow, you're really good. How much did you practice?" Oh, I didn't practice. I was just born this way. And I'm like, "Well, fuck you then. If you didn't sacrifice and lose and cry and bleed, we don't want to buy your record." And I think that's stupid. And I I love this generation for the ease with which they dominate all things and also don't give a shit. So the people that you deal with who are stagnant, they're my heroes because they have finally figured it out, which is, it's all bullshit. Well, <clears throat> there you have it. Okay. He really does look like, and there's also a, um, he really does look like Jeff Daniels. And then there's another picture of one of their album covers where they're standing in front of a gigantic penis with a light coming out of the top. Awesome. I'm going to have so much fun with the blemish for today's episode or this year's episode. <laughs> this year's episode. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, um, you've been when busy. I do my, my algorithms often bring up stuff. You know what the stuff I'm a, I'm on YouTube when I'm on anything and mm-hmm. I just let the robot feed me my next piece of enter- entertainment. Yes. And normally mm-hmm. it's just guitar stuff. And there yeah. are the, like the come to think of it there are definitely Gen Zers they all the generations are on the guitar algorithms are coming through on the algorithms. Yeah. So I'm just seeing like amazing guitar shit. All the time. Some of them try to teach you how to do it better. All of those people, no, nobody is bullshitting me and telling me that I didn't have to practice this. Absolutely everybody is openly admitting that they practice okay. all the time and have been for, you know, for the Gen Xers for decades and for the, you know, for the Zipsters every day for years, you know. Is it, and do- uh, so. I don't know. I guess I'm still one of those old school people that I think that hard work is of value just when it pays off. If you're working really hard and it doesn't create any value for anybody in in any form, that's sad. You know, to have to work really hard and then actually have nothing to show for it, that sucks. That, I, I agree. But when it you. comes to shredding on a guitar, that mm-hmm. takes a lot of work, and it really does present value. I don't even think you could deny that. Not at all. No, 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 not at all. No, I, I do. Well, see, that's just it. It's like, hmm, I'm going to be a little bit controversial. We, sure. we rarely disagree on this show, but fuck it. Um, I do. I think that there's too much. Um, there's way too much 
value put on the idea of hard work in general as if like i said before if you didn't work hard then you didn't earn it and then i also think that this mentality is is <laughs> this is <clears throat> this is a uh, capitalist ideal that's foisted on the lower classes to make them work and make money for the man <laughs> I'm i agree because that's like yep. um and the idea that like hard work first and then you know and then the the productivity of it will come out and and you know if you put in a lot of hard work at the factory you don't really need to have a lot of drive or passion or talent or love you'll still make products because they set it up for you like that whereas if you have the drive and the passion and the the you know i'll say talent to shred I don't. I feel like that's not the same kind of hard work, and it's not the kind of hard work that, you know, the the man, the capitalist man, uh, appreciates. And maybe what I'm seeing is, whereas before we would see somebody shred, you know, once a month or once a week, either we go to concerts or on TV. Now we can see it constantly, right, with the YouTube and TikTok and TikTok. It's it, it makes your breath fresh. TikTok and Instagram, we see it all the time and for me it's become so ubiquitous that i think of it as easy because i'd have to put in work into you know viewing it so maybe that's my problem yeah well and and just to maybe to cap off the serious portion of this uh of this episode mm -hmm. i do think that it's a uh, i don't know maybe not dangerous yeah maybe dangerous i, I feel like uh, even though yes the, uh, uh, an ideal of hard work is something that is uh used uh, misused right mm -hmm. um i also think though i always just think of like what do i want for my son and if yes. i don't uh, i think that if by presenting that there's no value in hard work to young people that's an even bigger issue than presenting it as something good okay so and, and we are because i want if, if if i'm gonna tell my son that it doesn't matter if you work hard or not that's a huge disservice to him in his life and the way that he can be adaptable. But if that's all you're doing, if I'm just setting him up to be a cog in a fucking big machine, that's a problem. But the right. good thing is we get to communicate to our children the nuances of the value of hard work and that it is not the only component and it should not be used only for you to be... Um, a cog in a wheel, yeah. Yeah, abused. And, right. But but if you're if if the message across the board is to tell children that they shouldn't work hard, that's that's harmful to them. That's a harmful message. Well, to I children. would agree. I would agree if you if if the message because you use the word nuance, which I thought was very well um, placed. Um, if we were to give them the message that as soon as something becomes difficult, you should stop, and that is not the message that I would want to give to anybody. Not that that this is difficult i would be more interested in because <clears throat> you know me i'm all meta you're meta too i would be more interested in telling them why it got hard when it did and um oh you were just checking the old uh <laughs> yeah sorry i didn't mean to distract no, no, you no, no 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 um sorry folks you guys can't see what i can see but in addition to seeing jeff daniels a living microphone and my um my buddy joe my um, my bro from another mo, but the same doe. No, grandma. Anyway, yeah, he, I grandma. saw him checking the old baby monitor. Um, that's why I interrupted. We should cut this part out. Anyway, my point is this. <laughs> no, I wanted to hear you the the your your thought completely. Yeah, yeah. We rather than you know definitely don't say that when it gets hard stop. I'm not saying that. Um, I would say that let's examine why it got hard right now, and and reframe it. Um, that's a word I got from my therapist. Let's reframe it so that you don't see it as hard because if you pursue things just because they're difficult or just because they're challenging, unfortunately, your abilities will overcome the challenge and therefore you will no longer be driven by the challenge, right? It's sort of the inverse. Uh, yeah, of I'm the totally artist. on board with that. Yeah, I totally agree. It's yep. the inverse of the artist dilemma. I think that's what they call it, where when you're trying to learn something say shredding right the better you get the better you're able to judge how bad you are so that you're never satisfied right right like i can play the ukulele now i would say an order of magnitude better than i could you know when i first picked the darn thing up but i still mm -hmm. suck tremendously and the reason why i know i suck tremendously is because i'm better at it right 
um, and I'm sure you're the same way. You've been a musician for probably more of your life than not by now. And you would probably be able to say that, you know, you are, if, if 17 year old Joe could see Joe now, he would be like, holy shit, I can do that. Whereas, you know, now Joe is looking at what you can do and going, oh, I'm nowhere close to even being partly good. And so it's the inverse of this idea of like, um, don't do things because they're hard. Do them because, you know, the old soppy shit. Do them because you love them. Do them because you like them. Do them because yeah. The, yeah. there's value for you in the doing, not, or there's value in the in the love of doing, not in the doing or in the final product, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Uh, you know what? That's, I like that line of reasoning. However, I've, I have to add to that too, which is life by its nature is difficult. And so. You think so? Yes. Hmm. Yes, I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced. So is that, that life like an existentialist point of view? Like, are you saying life is difficult because, well, like, why is it difficult? I'm, I'm because because pain and and loss and disappointment is unavoidable, even if you're reframing it. Okay. Like, even if you're trying to as hard as you can to frame it as something that isn't painful, it's still painful. You know, I, I'm. It's very interesting because I was thinking, see, you and me were always simpatico, which everyone knows is a word I hate. Everyone being our audience, audience being our listener, our listener being somebody who remembers the first time Joe said simpatico because he wanted to make fun of me because of an interaction between the those two fuckwats. Who were they? Ann Coulter and, um, what's his name? Who's that guy? That guy, Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. Bill Maher said that he and Ann Coulter despite their political differences, are simpatico. And I just wanted to shit out of my mouth. But the reason why Joe and I are often simpatico is because I have thoughts that he then brings up later. And yesterday I was having a long walk and I was thinking about this idea of how conflict is the center of every narrative. Without uh, conflict, you don't have a narrative. And that we, as at least in the Western civilization, we we live my narrative and therefore there must be conflict. And so you're bringing up saying that life is hard. And in terms of like describing life as a narrative, as a story, as something purposeful, right? Cause there has to be an ending. I a hundred percent agree with you. And yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, and I was thinking you're, about what so you're, if, you're expanding on my thought in a way that I wouldn't though. Well, what fair I'm enough, doing fair enough. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm just staring directly at the fact that life is hard. Right, and, like, uh, and not not because of a narrative, or not not there's no there's no end to that, except that I think it's a it's a good reflection of reality. Well, definitely, your career as a Taco Bell manager gives you um, access to you are audience to a lot, a fucking lot of conflict, and that conflict definitely defines the relationships that your customers have with the tacos that they're eating. But I'm not talking about conflict, necessarily. Well, but hardship. I mean, any kind of thing that is judged as not what we would want it to be, right? I mean... Would you disagree? Do you think that life actually is easy, but we're just... The only thing that makes it hard is our framing of it? Well, okay. In a very simplistic way, yeah, I would say that. But it all comes down to, if I can... um, quote bill clinton just to show how old we are it all depends on what your definition of the definition of is is um because when we say that life is hard we're making a declaration we are describing we are communicating we are finding a way to associate what we're feeling with what another person or what we're experiencing with another person experiencing and it's not our individual experiences it's where they overlap and that's described as shit my microphone just needs a viagra all of a sudden holy fuck sorry talk about life is difficult what the <laughs> hell just happened sorry guys this is weird i probably faded out there for a second i have i have my microphone on this boom and i was trying to do it to avoid like background noise and by the, by the way just because life is hard and pain is a part of it doesn't mean that we need to be completely resigned and like and and weighed down by that fact what i want to do is i want to be realistic to my son so he can be kind of prepared and strengthen himself uh, for the challenges of life if i get really <clears throat> if i get really weird about like the definition of hard I, like i don't 
it's it, it is what it is man and like if if you think that my son can so if i frame it correctly i can just lift the difficulties and challenges of life from him from the trajectory of life that would be one thing but i think that's an unrealistic task and the better thing to do is to just try and prepare him so he can so he can be as happy as he can be and so he won't be surprised when he runs into difficulties and pain and, and loss because that's part of life and that's okay it's 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 hard but mm-hmm. you know but he can he can do it yeah but if you if you're not if if you're going to Again, I, I try to frame things now in like, how would I explain this to a child? However, as a Taco Bell manager, I found I find that explaining things to children is some something that I've done for a long time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no. And if you get to if you go around and around with like semantics and definitions and stuff, all you do is confuse younger people. Fair enough, and and it is yeah. interesting that. Because you're being simpatico again. What? See, yeah, life is hard. Because why do I have to use that fucking word every time you goddamn say something? I was thinking yesterday. Do you gotta, do you feel that you've avoided the challenges and pains of human life because you've been able to reframe it? And like, have you been able to avoid the? And and if you haven't been able to, then would you expect? So okay, for one, not to be a dick, but. The question, have you avoided the pains, assumes that there are pains. Yes, it's not an assumption. No, I think it's a reality. Right, right, right. And so um, <laughs> when I talk about reframing, I'm not talking about it. And you ter- wouldn't agree with that. You wouldn't agree that, that, that pain is inherent with the human experience. Not necessarily. You, you would disagree with that? No, 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 no. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is that an approach to, an approach to conflict is not to avoid conflict and and an approach is to not avoid pain or to reframe so as to say that it isn't pain i'm not suggesting that we semantically redefine our our state of god damn this is boring i'm so sorry everybody we should try to be hilarious no no, it's okay but fuck it you know what this podcast is for you and me and anyone else who doesn't like how serious we're being they can they can lick my incredibly small scrotum i'm 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 burning with anticipation i want to see where you're going with okay this. fair enough all right so because um, I, I don't under i don't get it yeah i'm i'm certainly not trying to uh semanticize our way out of feeling pain or difficulty that's not my my end goal my end goal is to say how do we approach challenges whether that's a challenge of something being difficult or painful or how do we how do we survive maybe um, pain or hardship? I think that's a great question. So what's your suggestion? Then? And I think that what we need to do is not take not take the inevitability of hardship as a foregone conclusion as something we must survive, but take hardship as a opportunity to readjust ourselves to a greater reality and realize that it's not such that the world is something that's dedicated to um, not giving a shit about us. It's that we are entities that are dedicated to not giving a shit about the way the world wants us to be. The problem with this, and I recognize this as as a, when I say pseudo-philosopher, I mean non-philosopher. The problem with this is um, I recognize that um, um, wanting to be a certain way is an egocentric point of view and therefore according to most of the philosophers that have any uh who have any who are worth listening to th- that egocentrism is the source of the the pain itself right and so what i would say to children is not that it's not that hey life isn't hard if you reframe it it's just that anytime you face a difficulty try to decide if that difficulty is because the world doesn't give a shit about you or because you don't give a shit about the world and if you decide that you don't give a shit about the world which you are totally allowed to do you can look at the world and say this is a fucked up place and i don't give a fuck about it you are allowed to do that recognize your agency in that decision and that agency is or at least should be the source of your emancipation that agency should be the thing that makes you realize that you are your own uh, that you create your own reality and in that sense um 
in that sense, what you're experiencing, this pain you're experiencing is not something the world is foisting upon, foisting upon you. The pain that you are experiencing is you manifesting your own, um, uh, what's the word? Um, it's you manifesting your own, um, um, uh, destiny. Uh, yeah. Except not in a, in a, in a time centric kind of sense, but you, it, it's your own ismness. Uh, I'm okay. First of all, I've been drinking a lot of, um, <laughs> I've been drinking a lot of whiskey. I'm trying to take notes because I'm going to explain this to my son. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It, I, I think one of my one of my goals is to not disagree with Joe on fundamental ideas, but just to disagree with him on the way we express them so that we can actually come to an accord. Because for the most part, Joe and I agree on our outlooks on life. And while I will say that on a certain level, yeah, life is hard because it's full of shitheads. They are only shitheads from our point of view and... If we recognize that they are nothing more than existential entities the same way we are, and that we can manifest our own um, destiny by by uh, um, shifting the frame of our desires towards a recognition that we have desires in the first place, then we can be less burdened by them. Um, I have no idea if anything I said just made sense. I, but. I, w I was getting I was getting a lot out of it actually. Okay, I feel like the way that you frame the difficulties of life and and maybe even framing them as difficulties might not be the best thing to do and that's kind of the way that i'm going with it is that mm -hmm. this is the 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 challenges of life are a good thing like it's it's actually a good thing it's it right. makes you stronger it makes you able to appreciate the things that you have like right. love and you know, because that's why, to me, it's it, when it comes to just like a fundamental philosophical notion that I have, mm -hmm. which is for love to exist, the the loss or the absence of love needs to there needs to be a possibility for that perception, and that type okay. of thing is something I can like convey to to in in, in you know. In simpler language, to a child, to children, to a, to a children. I like that because we have an audience, or we have a listener. Sorry, I, m I misspoke. But, I like uh, it though. Yeah, that, that's that's the way that I would like to frame it. It is just love is the most important thing, and because we can experience love, we get we have to be able to lose it, and and that's what's hard. And hmm. you can you can put that framing like when you're working hard towards something. Mm -hmm. Um, th that, to some degree or another, that that hard work is a striving for the good thing. Mm -hmm. And when you run into challenges in that pursuit, it can it can be uncomfortable, and sometimes it can be painful because yeah. failure is a possibility, but failure is a part of the 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 entire uh, presentation of love in life. And what if I were to that? say to you? Though, take everything that you just said, or take every philosophy you've ever read, or, or understand, or believe, or feel, take every even spiritual um, um, fullness that you've ever felt, and then rewrite it all without the concept of failure even existing, right? The idea that there is no that's, way... That's where you, you set children up to not be able to cope at all with life yeah and i hate to get that hardcore about it but i've seen it happen right it's right right not pretty i recently read a book called um well shit now i can't remember what's called do you remember that book go ask alice you remember that book it rings a bell but i don't know if, i don't think i ever read it uh, talk about a generational divide um so go, go ask alice was this book that was brought out um i want to say in the 70s or 80s and this is embarrassing because i just read a book about it but it was this uh diary of a young girl who went through um a period of of um of really bad drug use and uh sexual abuse and she just and she eventually died right and this diary kind of was this sort of um like a wake-up call to all of america like there's a drug epidemic and it's terrible and it's it's killing our youth and we need to rally and really and it and and it very much fueled the war on drugs and it fueled accidentally the uh, um yet another version of the generation gap and it's this whole it, it, it became this whole thing and it, it 
the author of the book I read, and I apologize for forgetting the title, but I'm drunk. Yeah, I know it's 6.30 in the morning. I'm drunk. Fuck it. We'll get back to that. But um, the um, the author uh, even alleges that this book helped contribute to the satanic panic of the 80s. Um, and it contributed to the um, demonization of LSD, amongst other things, blah, 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 blah. But okay. the point is, is that it's entirely fiction that this book was touted as a, uh, an authentic um an authentic autobiography of one young woman's life, but it turns out the whole thing was made up in whole. And um, obviously, okay, you could make calls to the fact that the author who did this did it for monetary purposes, or you can make calls to the fact that the author did it for monetary purposes, but was able to build off of this idea that there is a problem in the world and she's going to make a profit off of addressing the problem. But um, I forgot my point, but my point is that... Um, the the whole thing the whole thing was supported by this idea that there was a problem and that would have been completely 100% undermined by saying there isn't a problem from an existentialistic point of view um or not to put to find a point on it from an absurdist point of view you could say there are no problems um the only things that are problematic are the ones that we call problems that you are born you live you die and it does not matter what happens in between like if you if you if you need the universe to have meaning so far we have we have not been able to find any meaning in any one individual's existence certainly if you consider the context of the cosmos and all this shit and we're just one tiny little planet and one little galaxy and one little um cluster of galaxies blah 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 right it's all utterly meaningless and so we inject meaning and by injecting meaning we automatically create conflict so fine and this is where i try to take the next step for the 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 taco bell employees that you work with and for the kids that you work with it's it's saying to them you are suffering because you and or the world have injected meaning into the pain you're experiencing. Why don't you take ownership of that? Now you're in charge. You decide. Use your creativity. And when I say creativity, I'm not being glib there. You, I've talked about it on the show a lot about how I believe creativity is sourced in misunderstanding right? You say something, I misunderstand you. I create meaning out of that misunderstanding so that I think I know what you said. Like you might say, um, you might say Brooklyn, but I hear is fuckland. And now I'm thinking of a, you know, uh, a, a somebody in, in New York city who is like really good at fucking and fuck so hard that it makes a bridge between people who are happy and people who are sad, whatever, right? Point is, is like there was a, a mistake was made, mistake, E-E-I-E, there's a conflict, and somebody took meaning out of it that didn't exist before, and saying to people, you can do that. When you are suffering, when you are in pain, when you are facing hardship, when you are in the face of difficulty, you can take all of that uh, uh, conflict and frisson, right? Is that a word we've used before? And you can decide what it means. And if you want to decide it means that clowns with big penises are gods, go ahead. You will find a way to be able to make that work. And what we need to do as parents is teach our children how to be creative in those situations. We don't need to teach them how to survive conflict. We don't need to teach them how to... Um, uh, avoid conflict. We need to teach them how to create out of conflict. I and totally also agree. get them yeah, away from this well, idea that they need to be the ones to create conflict to in the first avoid, place. I, I definitely, I'm, I'm sorry, did I, I was cutting you off. No, no, it's fine. Totally good. Yeah. No, no. Oh, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I don't, I don't want to teach my kid to avoid conflict. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I want to teach him how to, how to navigate it. Yeah. But I don't want to teach him that it isn't real and that he can, and that he can reframe it out of existence. No, no, not reframe it out of existence, but reframe it to the point that that so-called conflict actually was inspiration, right? Agreed. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That, in fact, my understanding of, of uh, like CBT, cognitive mm-hmm. yes. behavioral therapy, yeah. is just that. It's it's trying to reframe things in, in such a way that is 
that it doesn't like leech the negativity out of it, but right. it creates opportunity. Yes, and it allows you to maintain like motivation and be successful through challenges. Yes, you just said yeah. in fifteen words what I tried to say in two minutes of rambling. So well done. Yeah, yeah. So so if life is hard, it's only that that hard is an opportunity. It really. I mean, if I'm going to be really glib, you know that whole, that 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 thing that we learned in in first grade, which was something along the lines of there are no mistakes, only surprises. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. I guess. I guess my thing is, as you're developing hard, it, like displeasure is something that a kid can understand mm -hmm. because it's real yeah that's all well it, it's real so, like there's only so far you can go in reframing displeasure because it's it's not that's like that's like if you fall down and break your tailbone you try to like you can't reframe that like the the pain's gonna be there it's well gonna be there interestingly and so what i want is my child to not be surprised by by unpleasant experience mm -hmm. um well no but you do want them to be surprised by unpleasant experience but yeah, the surprise yeah, yeah. is not so, that it happened the surprise uh, is what came out of it yes yeah. but do you understand that if, if you're going to teach kids that you that displeasure is not something that you need that you can just set it aside you don't need to you don't need to confront it or or learn about it at all like we can just reframe it that's not good hello i hit mute on my microphone sorry about that dead air <laughs> dead air supply dead air supply that's us because I had to, hold, I'm holding the microphone instead of it being on the boom because it fell apart. No, I'm not suggesting that children should be taught in any way to avoid pain or to 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 demonize pain. I'm not saying that, but I'm certainly also not advocating for dwelling in it or to give it any kind yeah, of. Yeah, um, my, my thesis at the beginning of this, which I, I was surprised you disagreed with, was that mm -hmm. life it comes with difficulties. Like it's inherent. Pain and loss is real. It's a part of life. So I had you this... seemed to go against that, which confused me. Well, okay. At risk of going off on a tangent, I get this idea, and this is why we should podcast all the time, so I can give you these ideas, and you can say you're full of shit, and I can like let let them go. <laughs> but I had this idea a while ago of consider this sort of pseudo philosophy maybe it's a fictional universe i'm creating where this is how it works you're born you live you die you are reincarnated um but you can avoid reincarnation by becoming one with the universe right and i know this is pseudo buddhistic or um pseudo buddhismistic but but the only way the only way to become one with the universe is to live a life that is 100% not self-aware okay as long as you can live and i say can as if there's some agency and there, there isn't but as long as you live a life as long as a person lives a life that is 100% not self-aware when they die they'll become one with the universe right um uh and so what what this means is that all morality is drawn from the following, which is if you become self-aware, that means you know you're going to be reincarnated and therefore your morality should be based in making the world a better place for your future self so that future self can be not self-aware long enough to pass away without um, becoming self-aware and then becoming one with the universe, right? And so I feel that in many ways, pain, hardship, difficulty, all these things that you are talking about and that I'm talking about mm -hmm. are means by which to become self-aware. Um, there is, uh, uh, other than empathy. Not even in to, a fictional universe. Like I'd, I truly deeply believe what you just said. So that, and that, that could be the way the universe, it could be the way it quote unquote works, right? But what, what, it, what it does is it suggests that you're, the, that the only people the, the morality is based in making the world a better place, right? And so that affords like there being charities and, and selflessness and working towards the future and planting trees whose shade you will never, um, you know, lie under, blah, 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 right? But mm -hmm. um, 
what this what this then would mean is that all those difficulties that you face, all those things that brought you self-awareness are not in fact difficulties. They are opportunities. And yeah. And then if if we just switch the word from difficulty to opportunity, we are in fact reframing. And so if you were to I say yes. life is full of difficulties, to me that's like saying life is alive or or my disagreement is not on the level of people don't have difficulties, which is, uh, of course, horseshit. Of course, people do. My my contention would be life merely by being alive and, in parentheses, being self-aware, you are automatically, it is defined by difficulty. If you never face any difficulties yes. whatsoever, then you are not alive, right? You are if you never face any difficulties, you we're are totally on the universe. board right now. Like right, we're, right. We're, we are simpatico, right? Okay, we're simpatico. So what I would say to a child is like, if you suffer, that means the world is not the best way it can be. So if you're suffering, that means your job, if you want to have a job, your you have your job two jobs, and this is where we well, you definitely can't send this message when you're working at Taco Bell. Your job is twofold. One is to die as soon as possible. You can't do that so don't yeah you lost me there yeah 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 um for, job number one is to die as soon as possible so you can start over and hopefully not be self-aware or two make the world a place where what you are suffering from um can't happen again not all suffering though is is located externally it, well okay you and I have uh, read like a book it, called it, when you when you suffer that's not necessarily an indication of some flaw in your environment well I mean no, I'm, I'm serious about that yeah I, I okay I, I'm not smart enough to be able to nor do we have enough time because this, this is a, this is that's a that's a simple concept you you, you get it yeah, yeah, but from the standpoint of the context within which we are speaking, I'm suggesting that any internal flaws are manifestations of um, external um, uh, right, but, conflicts but if, in if one's you, existence. So, yeah, I guess I, I, I disagree because if, if if any discomfort that you feel in your life, if you're go, if the locus of control for that is external, that's not a that that's not wise. No, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, no, that lo the locus of control should be oneself. One, well, and I think there are people who are able to, in their own non-intellectual yeah, yeah, way. Yeah, your locus of control is how can I now alter the environment? Because something, the locus oh, of no, control no. is my agency over the environment. Now, let's be clear. The goal is to not make the environment a better place for you now. The, the goal is to make the environment a better place for you in the future. You can't yes, fix now. Yes, but you're discounting the internal locus of suffering itself like the problem doesn't have to be in your environment you're you're not some perfect entity among a flawed environment no no there's it's the opposition there's a set of assumptions there that i reject no 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 i'm not suggesting in any wise that a person is supposed to compare their current self with the environment i'm suggesting that a person should compare should compare the environment to what they want their future self to be Okay. I, I get that as a component, but what about evolving internally and, and addressing things internally instead of attempting to change your environment? Well, the internal the internal um, evolution would come into accepting that one exists at all, accepting that one is self-aware, accepting that um, the truth of the universe currently is you exist, and that's it. The, the universe does not owe you anything um and that is not an injustice that's just the way things are um if you are born and you hate the color blue okay then what you need to do is dedicate your life and blue. suffer and you need to dedicate your life and you need to suffer and you need to work hard in order to find a way to turn the sky green and then when you are born again you will no longer have to suffer. Now I feel like you're just fucking with me. Like, no, no, no. I'm I'm serious. I, I I'm using extreme to make the to make my point. But I think that if a person is suffering, I don't want them to become complacent to the suffering. I want them to become inspired by the suffering. I want them to say to that change their environment. To change. Okay, I don't know, I'm being nuanced here, and maybe a little bit. Um, 
rationalizing. I'm just trying to understand. Like, I'm right. Not- it's not about changing your current environment so that you can exist in it. It's a, It's about changing the future environment so that your future self can exist in the future environment. You are suffering, and that really, really sucks. But you know what? Suffering is is inspiration if you want to get religious about it i don't want you to but if you want to get religious about it do this consider that suffering as something that a higher intelligence has imposed upon you so that you will be inspired to do something that you would not otherwise have done and this is a dumb analogy but imagine like imagine funny because i'm back with you imagine what should be inspiration yeah imagine what Stephen Hawking would have discovered about black holes if instead of being in a wheelchair his whole life, he had been out running marathons. Now, I personally would never foist upon any uh, individual the suffering that Stephen Hawking must have suffered. Um, And it might be the case that had he been running marathons, he would have come up with even more brilliant ideas. But my uh, idea is that it is pointless to point out that there was pain. Rather, the point would be that one must point out um, that the pain was contextual to... I, I think I lost my train of thought. Uh, well, uh, you know what, though? Like it, uh, you were about to land right w- where I was hoping. Okay, fair enough. Which is, look, if we if we frame suffering in terms of opportunity, then yeah, yeah, that 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 really changes our conception of things, right? And but, and and that's what I want to do. Back to you know, my whole thing is I want to be able to communicate clearly and in in a beneficial way to my kid to so he can have a yeah. good life as good as possible and i think that and uh, that's the thing like i don't want i i i, I want him to I, I don't want him to be confused about pain I, mm-hmm. I want him to see it as a part of the bigger picture and the bigger picture is love yes and and see i wanted to like bring that up and and maybe i can start some controversial shit and that way you'll like want to do uh, another podcast, which is not to say that you're the reason why we haven't been doing podcasts. It's just been a whole life thing. But if I can like uh, introduce enough conflict in your in your mind, you might be like compelled to sacrifice your wife and your kid and your job just to talk to me and a bunch of um, uh, people who you've never met um, on a podcast. But um, the 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 idea of love. You love your son, and you feel a duty, an obligation, a compulsion um, to raise him as best as you can to give him the opportunities because you want him to become fulfilled and and full and rich and stuff. But you also do him a bit of a disservice in that because you are protecting him, right? And the truth of the matter is, your son, you could abandon, you could, I'm not, you never would, you could abandon your son right now, and he could grow up to be a bitter, hateful, a suffering individual and he could in a moment of pain and suffering and hatred he could have a revelation inspired by all that and figure it all out right that's but true even that's but true. even if and, you could uh, predict let me just I'll just real quick even if you could again. predict that future i know for a fact well i shouldn't yeah no i know for a fact you wouldn't do it or at least, at least I can say I wouldn't do it. If someone said to me, hey, treat your kid like shit for most of his life, and when he's 50 years old, he'll get it all figured out and the world will be a better place, it's like, fuck it, the world can wait. I'm not doing that yeah, to my son. And, in hopes that the suffering that you provide your abused child will 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 manifest in some epiphanal thing that yeah like yeah um, that's not the approach i'm going to take no no me neither and like i said even there was a guarantee an ironclad guarantee do this and the world will never suffer again i say fuck it the world can wait i'm not doing that to my kid and that's because i am an individual who is limited by well his own existence right so it's like I, i i can't sacrifice i'm willing to sacrifice myself for the greater good i'm not sacrificing the people i love and that's the definition of love right so yeah. Yeah, I would say uh protecting children is a that there's a nuanced concept mm-hmm. because if you're overprotective then you don't prepare them. They right. don't build inner strengths and then they are they're ill-equipped. Right. For life and then every little challenge that they run into is this amplified and insurmountable thing. Right. So like the way that I'd like to protect my child is to is to try and help prepare him. Right. Well, you give them the benefit of your flaws. That's essentially what it yep. comes down to. Totally. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, I think somebody should listen to our podcast and take the 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 sentence. Give your children the benefit of your flaws, and they should. Put Again, that- I feel like you're fucking with me there. But- no, I'm not. I'm not fucking with you, Joe. I, look, if I was fucking with you, I would tell you I was fucking with you. I would throw in some little thing. I would say like, give. Do you the- really believe that one should um, give their children the benefit of their flaws? Yeah, absolutely. Listen. Okay. You are a flawed person. I'm a flawed person, right? Our child, we hope, will become better than us, and therefore they should learn from not only their own mistakes, they should learn from ours as well. And that's what I mean by yes. the benefit of our flaws. Yes, yes. That's you what are going to do everything you can to the best of your ability. You are willing to sacrifice everything so that your child um, has uh, uh, what you believe they need to survive and be happy to an extent. And that includes your understanding that you are going to fuck up in that in Denver. You're going to fuck it up, but you're still going to do it, right? We we know, like, if someone had said to me, um, this is dumb, but whatever. If someone said to me, look, um, for some weird reason, the USA Men's World Cup team is down a dude. We need you to play. And uh, if you don't play, then they can't play at all. I'd be like, listen, dudes, go find someone else. I can't let my <laughs> lack of ability um, bring this team down, right? Well, you wouldn't do that with your kid. You wouldn't. You'd be like, I am not the best person in the world to raise this child. I'm not. I am not loving enough. I am not self-sacrificial enough. I'm not smart enough. I am not a hard enough worker. But sorry, I love him, and therefore I'm going to do it, right? So there's a selfishness in that, sure. But that selfishness is just the... Uh, the reality of being an alive person right and being self-aware so fine the best you can hope for is that they benefit from your flaws there's nothing wrong with that yeah no that's true and 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 i i agree but good um, because we have three minutes left so should we talk about cocks or boobs or i don't know snot or poop or i don't know i was kind of hoping to this morning but now i'm like uh I don't know if I'm in the mood. See, this is what happens. I think the 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 one of the things about doing a podcast every week is that we can get this philosophical, like heartfelt stuff off our chest, and then go to the yeah. the things that actually have truth and meaning, like boobs and 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 stuff. But because yeah, we haven't I, talked, I would for a love while. to be able to set this like dry material aside for like the literal wet splooge flying through the air splooge, onto a pair yeah. of tits yeah i wanted to talk about like i actually took notes just in preparation and this was before i i thought that we might even record it but just like you know hey did you hear about this thing did you hear about this like you know what somehow joe on september 17th we went 57 minutes without talking about the fact that my dream girl is one step closer to becoming queen of england I mean that's huge. Oh uh, yeah, that's fucking that's huge, true, huh? right? That's a big deal. That's a very big yeah. deal. Like I'm not saying that I masturbate to pictures of Kate Middleton on the daily. I'm just saying that when she puts on that crown eventually, when Chuck kicks the bucket, and she becomes, I don't even, I, I, I don't even know if they're gonna call her queen, queen consort or queen's king's wife or you know, or royal pussy i don't know but when they do the splooge will shoot further than it's ever shot before and somehow we went 57 minutes sort of talking about that actually i don't know like if yeah if, i mean honestly i'm surprised it didn't come up yeah and, and, we, and, and you know what and we got that, we got caught up in a very serious discussion he did Nothing i don't even remember how us. yeah it's like it makes me think though so i'll probably spend the rest of the day thinking about would I find Kate Middleton hot if she wasn't royal? Man, that's a tough one. You know what I'm saying? Oh wow, that's a good. Never thought of that yeah. before. Because you're fast. I don't know where the. I mean, she being hot seems to be enough. But yeah, the, the, that added component of being royal, like, you know, it's yeah. kind of like me. Like I, I, female singers. Mm-hmm. Like being hot is one thing. Yeah. The added component of being like an amazing vocalist. Yes. It adds so much. It amplifies the hotness in such a way. And maybe like being royal is has that effect. It could be, too. yeah. Like the context of the hotness. I, I think you're right because the other day I was reading an article about how Serena Williams has been shit on by the vast majority of the population, and that's incredibly unfair. 
And I was like, she is, Serena Williams is like, she is demonstrably fine. And I wonder how much of that I am attributing to the fact that she is an amazing athlete. Like, she's, okay, when you think of athletes, you go like Michael Jordan and um, Bobby Fischer and um, who's the skater guy? Tony Hawk, right? Like, they, they are they define the sport, right? Serena Williams defined the sport, and I'm wondering how much of my desire to like be her. Like, if someone said, "Do you want to have an operation where you can become a, a woman?" I'd be like, "Only if I can be, only if I can be Serena Williams." Like, is it because she's so incredibly good at what she does, or is it because she's just just a good-looking chick? And I know that's really like sexist and crap, but hey, man, we're trying to return to form here in the last few minutes, so. Well, maybe I should bring up Joe Blobs then. Yeah, bring up Joe Blob. Who's Joe Blob again? Oh, Joe Blob is my trademark. Fucking you. Your trademark who? It, it's a it's trademarked fellatio. It's my it's my brand. Oh, it's your dick sucking. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of somebody going down someone, and then a lawyer pops the door and says, "Cease and desist." You do not have a license Cease to blow that way. <laughs> yeah, only I can give Joe Blobs to you. Yeah, you're getting quieter for some reason. Maybe it's because the music came on. I don't know. Anyway, I hope, well, I hope everybody can hear me talk about Joe Blobs. Because Joe Blobs, again, it that's, might also that's my trademarked form of fellatio. I don't want I you char- to... I, I charge more for Joe Blobs. I can I... also just give blowjobs. I don't want you to give away trade secrets, but what's the difference between a blowjob and a Joe Blob? The first and most important component is that I look you directly in the eye before I pop your wiener in my mouth and I say, my name is Joe. Joe Blob begins every single time. <laughs> My name is Joe. <laughs> I'm literally, I'm literally crying right now. Oh man, it might be that I feel like things have gotten harder to hear because I've been drinking and I have, you know, alcohol deafness. But um, wait, everything's getting really quiet. That is such a beautiful beautiful thing. I want to go graffiti that. I want to go just put Joe Blob. <laughs> well, like, you know, there's a lot more to it, too, but I wouldn't get, want to give away the trade secrets no, no, no. either. You, that's you know enough I mean? right but there. But it does begin that way. The only the only, t- the only tiny problem with this, apropos to the conversation we've had over the last hour, is that if I were, say, in a situation where someone was going to <laughs> do this no, no, no. If I was in a situation where I was going to get a regular old Joe uh, blowjob, and and someone were to look me in the eye and say, "My name is Joe," there'd be a part of me before really enjoying it would be like, "Hey, you can't do that." You know what I mean? And <laughs> you're not going to believe this part. Do you know where I got the name Joe Blob? <laughs> I'm not going to believe this. <laughs> you're not. I'm not. Nowhere. Well, you'll believe it, but it might be surprising. Uh, I was listening to the, our last episode, our last published episode, which was your 50th birthday yeah. roast. Yeah. And you were going on some tangent about blowjobs, and you accidentally said Joe Blobs. <laughs> and then you corrected yourself and said blowjobs, and you were pointing at your dad. And then you said, I don't know why I'm pointing at my dad right now. <laughs> it was the, fu- it's so funny. And like, so I kept rewinding it over and over again. I was like, Joe Blob, like it just so happened you made the mistake of calling it a, a blowjob and Joe Blob, and yeah. I was like, Joe Blob is a great name for my particular form of exit. Yeah. Um, given that we, right might not, Joe Blob. we might not be able to do this again until 
Thanksgiving when, fingers crossed, we're all in the same room. You, me, your uncle, my uncle. Um, I, I'm like seriously trying to think of a way to talk my wife and letting us fly up a day early just so I can get the audio set up correctly so that we Ooh, can... that's a good idea. Yeah. Hey, look. I, I've got to squeeze this in. Mm-hmm, uh, good. That's what she that, said. The last thing that was said on that podcast, which was our last episode, was I said, next time on JBC, using a potato peeler to skin your cock. Okay? So I just had to say that because now when I said that, I was telling the truth. Thank you. Yeah. Um, real quick before I hit stop. How do you peel a potato with your penis? Oh, using a potato peeler to skin your cock. Yeah, how? Did I not read that correctly? No, yeah, you did. I just didn't hear you. So how? Oh, okay. No, I'm asking you how. What's So how do you do it? Oh, well, it's easier if you have a boner. And then you just take the potato potato peeler <laughs> potato. And, you pre- and you pretend that your you pretend that your penis is like a carrot, not even a potato. Oh, it's better to envision a carrot because have you ever used a potato peeler on a carrot? Yeah. Well, that's what you would do with your boner, and then you would start squirting blood and such. Ah, uh, I'm gonna pretend my penis is a potato. Good night. Oops, I hit stop, and I'm going to hit start again because we don't end with me shouting. We end with uh, uh, Joe shouting. Okay, and then I'll hit stop. Oh, no, I can't even really shout in here. Uh, what should I say? How Do about a this? fake shout. It's fine. Joe Bob!